Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Ultra Hope Girls, a Danganronpa podcast. We are diving in with episode 10 of both the future arc and the despair arc today. So just be warned that this episode will spoil up through episode 10, future and despair arc. You heard it here. So don't listen if you haven't watched it. <laughs> I mean, yeah. <laughs> uh, there we go. No, I'm just I think you should leave that one. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we'll see. We'll see. Anyway, um, we hope you all enjoy this episode. It's a uh, th- these these two anime episodes were a little a little dark, a little heavy, but we'll get there. Um, and without further ado, I'm Maddie. I'm Marin, and I'm Caroline, and we're the Ultra Hope Girls. One, two. Welcome to the Dong and Rumba Podcast. <laughs> You're on the threshold of an amazing episode. Showtime. All right. Hello, everybody, and welcome back. How are you guys doing? I'm doing pretty well. Thanks. I'm good. I'm good. Although my my heart is a little crushed after these two episodes. I was going to say. They're pretty bad. I like watch (laughs) another episode of Modern Family to like cleanse the palate. (laughs) Oh, yeah. 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 I actually ran my uh, laundry machines while I was watching this to drown out some of the sounds because I I just didn't want to hear it. It was so sad. I know. I mean, honestly, like like I'll take this moment to just shout out the voice actors specifically um Bryce Pappenbrook and the guy who plays Munakata I can't remember his name and then Christine Cabanos my god they killed yeah. it it was amazing dub actors they they're killer man they're getting getting it done and also I want to shout out Junko too yes like especially Absolutely. that scene I know I'm jumping way ahead but the despair arc when she's talking to Juzo and she's just like rapid fire like switching voices and I, just, I have a note that says like whoa <laughs> so 10 out of 10 good job voice actors yeah 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 for sure oh I I meant to okay this is completely unrelated so we might take this off the record or we might not Caroline and also Marin. Did you know that Aaron Fitzgerald voices Quark in VLR? I did know that. Remind me who Quark is? The little kid. The kid with the helmet in VLR. Oh, whoa. I did not know that. That's Aaron Fitzgerald. She's so talented. She She is. She's killer. She's incredible. Well, I have, um, first off, I have uh, the, the, we have a flashback to the classic dumpster scene um, where it all began, if you will, for the Kyoko and Makoto shippers i probably i don't know it probably mm-hmm. started earlier than that but i had a question and i'm pretty sure that they did but did they reanimate the scene yes they absolutely did yeah because i'm just going to be honest with you guys like makoto in the in the trigger happy havoc like animation he looks like such a i don't know he looks like so silly looking he looks silly <laughs> and in in this version it's like the remastered makoto who literally just physically looks better like his design is just better i don't know he just looks so like a little child in, in the first <laughs> one but yeah in this one he's a man um but oh. he, saw his, he saw his man look um in the dumpster scene which is why i was like they reanimated this i think in the i could be remembering it wrong i'd need to go back and check but i think in the original anime it was a, a brighter scene as well like there i just it struck me how dark 
like lighting wise everything was in this episode mm-hmm. yeah that's really true and mute and just muted colors and i would i would honestly say that that's a big time stylistic choice for the future arc in general yeah um, and i think it's to yeah. distinguish it from the despair arc definitely yeah absolutely um my first note is um right after that you know we flash forward back to where kyoko is lying dead sad face um we're still sad (laughs) but makoto uses his hand to wipe off the blood on kyoko's eye and i looked up have you guys heard of like the palm lines like palm readings yeah yeah Yeah, so i looked up where the blood was resting on his hand and i don't know if you guys know more about this than than me so please feel free to jump in or listeners if you hear this and you're like man you're wrong let us know <laughs> but um it looks like it's on the love line of his hand oh yes which broke my heart into um yeah because i don't know a lot of times with reading palms there are deeper symbologies that I don't personally understand, but about like where if something stops suddenly, that could mean like your love life suddenly ends or changes or, you know, just something like that. And so the fact that it only makes it halfway across, I feel like could be interpreted that it ended too soon, you know, like it was, I know I just, oh. Yeah. That's so sad, sad, but a very, a very um, interesting detail. It is. And it also goes hand in hand with the fact that these two episodes are quite unique in the Dog and Rumpa canon because it can, it canonically confirms one, a romantic relationship between Makoto and Kyoko and two, a out gay, not out, but like a gay character that is absolutely confirmed in the text that they're gay. Like yeah. obviously we have implied Teru implied Nagito, implied a lot of various relationships throughout the games, but this is the first time that a romantic relationship, for the most part, besides, I guess, Pekko and Fuhiko, and I might be forgetting somebody, but it's like the first time that, that there is a confirmed romantic relationship between uh, Makoto and Kyoko and a confirmed queer character. Um, yeah. 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 That's not impl- heavily implied. It's said in the text that yeah. that character is that, so... Yeah. yeah. I don't know. I don't know if I would go so far as to say that it is like a relationship b- between Makoto and Kyoko, but definitely like mutual feelings is confirmed, you know? Right. Like, right. if that makes sense, like, yeah. Like, it's not left up to much interpretation. Ex- yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. There's I think not any with room every, anymore. right. With every episode that goes by, the wording that they're using becomes more and more romantic versus. Mm-hmm. Platonic, platonic like it's like i adored her like all right makoto warm I, like, I, heard that. I was like, like <laughs> <laughs> i was like <laughs> when sorry, caroline that's... heard that caroline got jealous because makoto is supposed to adore yeah. only caroline those really sound like uh jealous noises yeah <laughs> making up there it just sounded like flatulence to me so oh <laughs> well <laughs> that's what jealousy sounds like <laughs> Why not both? You heard it here first. <laughs> oh, God. oh my. All right. So my next note is about the scene where Munakata is fighting with Makoto and they're like smashing through walls and stuff like that. This scene really reminded me of that one frozen reprise where Anna and Elsa. Anna's like, come home. And Elsa's like, no, you don't understand. Like 
It, there's one part in particular, Makoto says with the exact same cadence as Anna, we can end this game together versus oh my God. we can go down this mountain together. And I literally <laughs> was like, I am writing this note down. He <laughs> said, yeah. Frozen like, is great. <laughs> yeah, but there's just like ice flying in one, glass flying in the other. So um, you heard it here first. The future arc is actually just frozen. I can see it. I believe yeah. it. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, so. I, I do have a note actually that happens a little bit before that. Ryota is so, it's this, there's a very interesting scene that happens between Ryota and Makoto where he's like, how can you just like leave Kyoko here? And Makoto is like, I have, like, I have to, like, she would have died for nothing if he didn't go. And I feel like that shows like a certain maturity level here. And then this is a note I was going to get to a little bit later, but it kind of comes up here. So I feel like Ryota is like a path not traveled by Makoto. Like if Makoto had not gone through the killing game and had not gone through character development, he probably would have been quite similar to Ryota and felt kind of helpless. Like if you think about at the beginning of the game, he had mirror qualities to Kamaru where he was like, oh my gosh, these people are so cool and like awesome. Like I could never compare to them. Like they're so cool. But now he has really come into his own and we really see that prominently. Um, So it's almost like he's leaving that part of himself behind. And then we have this just quite beautiful, I'm sure this was done on purpose. I mean, these writers are brilliant. Munakata is like a shadow version of Makoto. And for those of you who may not be familiar with that means, a shadow self is a side of your personality that contains all parts of yourself that you don't admit to having. So like Munakata has very similar qualities to Makoto. They've, they've both lost women who mean a lot to them. They've both fought for hope and they both want to destroy hope, but one is doing it in a way that creates a better future for everybody. And the other is doing it in a way from a place of fear and from a place of like, just kill it, get it done, get like kill everybody because this is a, a disease that can't be stopped. Um, so it's just, yeah, super interesting because I feel like up until this point, we haven't really seen that. I mean, we have the literal shadow self of like Izuru and Hajime, but that's a little bit of a different situation. This is like somebody with this, with similar ideals to you that you can't get, a, that you, you fight with because how you're doing them is completely different. It's a very interesting moment in the series. And it shows a lot of mastery in the writing of, of this show that I don't think gets enough credit. Yeah, I really agree with that. And I, I think that like um, Munakata is kind of a foil to Makoto in that way. I think you just put it so beautifully, Caroline. Um, <laughs> but I, I also have like a very similar note kind of going off of that because it struck me to, you know, jot this down when he, when Munakata says, I will eliminate despair from this world, even if I'm the last person left alive. And I'm like, I mean, in, in any situation, in any world, that is an extreme statement, right? Like he is going to, he's like, I'm going to save the world from despair, even if it means I'm going to literally kill everyone except for myself. And um, I think like at this point, it's kind of become clear that his goal originally, you know, was for hope, but now it's become just so twisted and warped beyond anything heroic that it's like, unrecognizable and he even has the like black eye that's like showing that he's evil you know (laughs) but um 
and I know that I've said that I don't like him, but I appreciate him as a character. And I think he is a very good antagonist because I think he's a really good example of a character who like originally was rooting for something good and had like a noble goal, but they got such like tunnel vision focusing on that one goal that they ended up just sacrificing everything else and ended up kind of going down a path that is probably so far from their original goal that it's like not recognizable anymore. I did make like a small literary connection, but um, this is like really only my my like biggest note for this entire episode. I really don't have anything else um, major until the next, uh, the despair arc. But I will say there is, Munakata reminds me of this quote by Friedrich Nietzsche. The quote is, he who fights with monsters might take care lest he thereby become a monster. And if you gaze for long into an abyss, the abyss gazes also into you. Um, that quote I know has been worded a few different ways. Um, I got this version from Goodreads, so hopefully that's accurate or whatever. But that quote makes me think of Munakata because he's so focused on destroying despair that he literally becomes despair in the process. Yeah, I don't know. I, I felt like that was a fitting quote. Yeah. Can I also, I want to add something interesting that you said. It's almost like his hope is selfish, right? It's yeah. like, I want to eliminate all the hope from my world, not our world right? Because if he's the last man that gets to be alive. Right. Right. Like, yeah. 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 Mm-hmm, I love it. <laughs> All right. So this is kind of a tangent. It's related, but it's going to be a little bit of a long explanation. So if we want to cut it, that's totally valid. Um, but <laughs> there's a whole thing on TikTok where this one creator, and I don't know her username, but she has this theory that in media, there is for every main character protagonist, they are the Mario of a story. And every Mario has a Luigi, a Wario, and a Waluigi. And they all, <laughs> like, it's just the the vibe between the characters and the, sometimes the way that they look, but not always because, you know, not every Luigi has to look like Mario, am I right? <laughs> and so... <laughs> For Makoto being a Mario, I feel like you could say that Nagito is his Luigi, potentially, just because of how similar they are. Um, That one I'm least confident about. But I think that his Waluigi is absolutely Munakata, and his Wario would then be, um, what's his name? The little sad one. Ryota. Thank you. Yes. (laughs) The little sad one. (laughs) We both were like, oh, we know who you're talking about. (laughs) You're like, right, right, right. Ryota is like a whisper of Wario. He's not even close. I mean, like, you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. I honestly title a whisper of Wario. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. But yeah, I I honestly really want to do a Patreon episode about that concept. Yeah, you know what I mean? That'd be fun. Let me know if you want to collab on that. Oh, bestie, you know I'm down. (laughs) Yay. (laughs) But yeah. Something I also want to say is um, the quote, quote, whatever happens next, promise you won't turn your back on hope, is the Kyoko's new copy pasta. (laughs) (laughs) She always has one. True. (laughs) Saba. 16th student <laughs> look out for her watch out for her classic um, oh my gosh and also something interesting that I observed is the background music in that whole um, Makoto and uh, Munakata the scene where they're like verbally like arguing at each other the background music is the same as the mini game in the trials where you shoot truth bullets oh is that interesting 
That's like, so this, interesting. This Makoto is shooting truth bullets in that scene, like literally. And so, yeah, I thought it was, wow. that was really interesting. They brought that back. Also, the response that Makoto has to one of those many copy pasta um, flashbacks is he says, that's what I do, or something similar to that. And I noticed that in the despair arc, Chiaki says the exact same line at the end. She says, it's what I do. When Izuru says, like, you're still gonna, you know, go for your friends and hang out with them and whatever. And she's like, it's what I do. And so the parallels between these two half episodes were just like, I don't know. They were significant. Yeah, Yeah, they were thick (laughs) i have to yeah oh go ahead oh sorry i was just gonna say like i feel like the past nine episodes i haven't noticed as much of a lineup between the two it hasn't this episode to me felt the most connected between the two arcs which i guess kind of makes sense because we're getting closer to the end but yeah what were you gonna say no i was gonna say because so i have a note about this later but this seems like a good segue to talk about it so when chiaki you know when Jugo, Junko is trying to pick out which student in particular to do what she did to Chiaki, which we'll get into that all of that. Oh my God. But um, I, I made a, a connection here that like the reason why Chiaki was a threat to Junko's plan is because she had gone beyond her station as the ultimate gamer. She had become more than what society had told her that she could be. She was an advocate for her friends. She's no longer like sitting in the corner playing video games alone. And there's a huge connection between her and Makoto, I would argue more than Makoto and Hajime because Makoto in this scene is rising above his station and what society told him he could be, which is what makes him a significant threat to despair, right? And that's why Junko, I'm sure, thought okay like let's just kill Chiaki because she she could have the hope enough or distill enough hope in people to make them not fall for this right and so yeah that's quite powerful audience Maddie and I were snapping throughout that Mm -hmm. (laughs) silently snapping (laughs) that's so true and Nagito even says he's like you've killed the old like the ultimate hope or what the what did he say like the biggest representation of hope right when Makoto is very much alive, right? Like, I mean, I don't know that Nagito necessarily knows of Makoto at this point or if he's made it to the station of ultimate hope at this point, but this was Nagito's ultimate hope, Chiaki was. And so you're totally right. Like, oh my goodness. Yeah. 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 I think because it's a prequel and they're the, they're a class that's like older than Makoto's class, I don't think Makoto would have been there by this time but he would have still looked silly he would have been in a silly character design silly. phase mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> but yeah i mean there was like there's literally i mean that's happening at a time when hope's peak is literally manufacturing an ultimate hope in izuru and you know clearly we see that doesn't quite go as planned <laughs> considering that he uh contributes to this whole plan oh i love chiaki i think i've gained a deeper appreciation for her throughout all of this i have to agree with you all right i've got two notes in the future arc that are media related so we'll just group those um but (laughs) chisa killing a bunch of kiddos um that was really disturbing and yeah to, to be honest it felt a little bit out of nowhere like they just threw threw that in i mean i i know that it it kind of pointed to the fact that munakata's been blind to the despair what's been going on or 
you know, it pointed to his relationship with Chisa a little bit, but I just wanted to comment that I think it was the last episode I said that this uh, show is actually Star Wars episode three. Yes. And I'd just like to bring that back, uh, yes. killing, killing some kids. <laughs> that sounds a whole lot like Star Wars. Um, anyone? Anakin? Anakin? Anyone? <laughs> He's still here? That's hysterical. Um, not not funny not no sorry not <laughs> not the killing of the children but the fact it mirrors star yeah. wars yeah that's funny and then the other note i have is um chisa and monica look really familiar and i mean monica doki doki literature club monica mm, interesting you're so right i never thought about that you're like, so right even the posturing yeah like weirdly similar which um, one came first doki doki really did i'm sure Oh yeah. Okay. I wonder I actually, if hmm, there up. was inspiration Sorry. there. I'll look up when Doki Doki came out. Because this was 2017. The anime came out. Oh yeah. So this came out before hmm. the anime came out before Doki Doki did. Gotcha. Interesting. By they do look similar. Yeah. It could just <laughs> yeah. be a coincidence. It's a common, not to be this person, but it's like a common character design. So it could mm-hmm. just be like very but true. I hear, I hear what you're saying, though. Yeah. Like I literally gasped when I saw it because I was like. Like the the bangs and it's the hair placement. It was was too much for me. Yeah. (laughs) Too (laughs) Too much much. in a good way. But yeah, I guess I got, I got one more. Why not just keep going? Right. Um, So it's, it's a little bit of a question, but a big theme of the future arc episode is ending something does not equal bringing back the other, right? Ending despair does not equal bringing back hope. Yeah. And I just wanted to ask if you guys agreed with that. I do. I very much do. I think I'm like, not to, you know, sound like a too cliche kind of thing, but I do believe that without despair, there is not hope. And without hope, there is not despair. Because I think that like, oh, I was about to say something way more eloquent. That's gone. But I am the kind of person who I'm kind of of the belief that like, without pain and suffering in the world, there can be no joy and love and like I do believe in the importance of that kind of balance and that dichotomy because I think that if we didn't have pain or suffering in the world then our joy would not be meaningful yeah that was pretty eloquent there oh thank you you. Mm -hmm. yeah Maddie I really couldn't have said it better myself like I feel like what do I feel I feel (sighs) therefore I am I'm sorry (laughs) I, (laughs) I feel like yeah uh you can't have one without the other and oftentimes, like, look at how Kyoko sacrificed herself for the sake of hope. But that was despairing that that happened. But that small despair means a greater hope. So I think that hope comes from overcoming despair. Nagito Kamaeda has Literally. entered the chat. <laughs> I know, I was just going to say. Nagito just rolled into the Zoom room. <laughs> um, but yeah, but greater hope is built by overcoming despair because we live in an imperfect world. Therefore, there is constantly and always going to be despair. And some despairing times are going to be greater than others. But at the end of the day, it's like mo- moving on and living and not letting the martyrs die in vain. That is what bring- builds and brings a bigger hope. So my last note of the future arc episode is did y'all see the post credit scene no <laughs> you didn't you didn't see this one either we're big oh. fans i was dying my hair when i watched it <laughs> i was sad okay basically basically the post credit scene it's just like it's literally like 10 seconds or whatever but there's just a bunch of battleships converging on jabberwock island 
Is Piaquia there? No, I don't know. Maddie, I feel like that's something you should have found out. I should have like zoom paused and zoomed in really far to see if I could see who's on the ship. Yeah, like yes. go through the boat. Like a like, yeah, 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 or like a Google Maps kind of thing. Right. Like 3D street view. Like go around the boat, like, oh yeah, yeah. Um, I, I'm watching right now the uh do you guys know who the game grumps are? Mm-hmm. I've heard of them. Okay. They're playing Dong and Rompa. Oh and fun. I haven't like religiously watched them, but like I've seen some of their videos. But obviously, if they're playing Dong and Rompa, I have to watch it. And so they're in the middle of the first trial of the second game right now. And they call Byakuya, they call him Byakya <laughs> <laughs> every time. And so it's every time it's like Byakya. It's like That's a two syllable Right, exactly. Mm, I like Byakya. it. All right, everyone, we're going to take a quick break. But before we go, do you want to answer one of these many incredible questions we've been coming up with throughout this episode? Leave us a voice message on anchor.fm to let us know your opinion. Or or if you want to chat with us about it, become a patron. The lowest tier is just $2 a month and you get access to a ton of really cool episodes. You can find us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. We are everywhere. We're Ultra Hope Girls Podcast. We would love, love, love to hear from you. And we will be right back after this. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, everybody. Caroline here with a pretty exciting announcement. So I, separate from the other Ultra Hope girls, am offering some online virtual classes in things such as writing, because, you know, I'm the ultimate literary girl, and performing, and also some clubs and classes virtually via my own school, which I founded, called The Spilling Ink School. You can check that out at thespillinginkschool.com. I'm offering tutoring and college essays. I'm offering, you know, piano classes and all that jazz. So definitely check it out. It's a good time. And I will also be offering some clubs and classes that are Danganronpa related via OutSchool. So I'll keep the links all in the description. They are for people under 18, so ask your parents before checking it out. But yeah, I'm excited to potentially have some listeners in my classes, and I wanted to let you know that that's going on. So thanks so much in advance for checking it out, and I look forward to teaching some of you. All right, on to despair. (laughs) Despair? Despair, am I right, guys? I miss miss that bear. bear. Where is that bear? <laughs> or those bears, or these mm. bears, these nuts. nuts. <laughs> oh my god! Wait, guys, I have a note that I forgot I took, which is um, it says Arthur has Excalibur, Makoto has fire extinguisher <laughs> as his weapon of choice. Mm. <laughs> All right, let's get into just some despair. Let's, Let's do it. To some despair. So my first note is about Juso and the revelation that he is gay for Munakata, um, which I wanted to ask you guys, 
like what your thoughts were on that, what your reaction was to that. Because I have to be honest, I am like, I have mixed feelings. I'm like split 50-50 in terms of whether I like this plot point or whether I don't like it. Because on the one hand, part of me feels like, oh, this is really progressive of this anime to have like a canonically gay character and have this as a plot point. But the other part of me is a little bit frustrated that like the one canonically gay character in this show is like arguably not a good person. You know, he does some really bad things like he like beats up Makoto oh wait no it's not Makoto (laughs) it's Hajime (laughs) he like beats up Hajime in that one episode and is like awful and he's like really like angry and violent and I don't know in one way that's like oh overcoming the stereotypes of what a gay man is because look at how manly he is but at the other hand I'm like he's not a good person he's not likable whatever and he's like the one canonically gay character that I'm just like why does it have to be this way so I'm like I'm split I'm like split solidly 50 50 mixed feelings I'm curious to hear what you guys think okay so I think when looking at representation for queer people in media you know I would rather have a character who is incredibly interesting and does questionable things that is queer that rather than somebody who's so boring that they're not an important part of the story right so if I like and that's just I'm speaking as like a queer woman like cis woman that is how where I stand personally but this is obviously like not to speak for all people yeah I just I feel like he has a very important role in the story and a lot of people in the story do a lot of question more morally questionable things already and so I would honestly argue that he is just like everybody else and I think that that is hammering that point home is the fact that he does a lot of these morally questionable things and he happens to be gay and is still doing this morally questionable things. Like, you know, a, a lot of straight women will say, oh my gosh, like, I wish I could just be a lesbian because like, I wouldn't have to deal with men and like they're them being silly and like, you know, like cheating on me or like whatever. And I like, I just say that to them, I'm like, it happens to gay people just as much. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it's <laughs> not like you're gay and suddenly there's no problems or there's no cheating or there's none of these like transgressions. Gay people are just like everybody <laughs> <laughs> so that's what I know crazy so it just kind of like I, I don't know I, I didn't mind it too much and it, it okay. um it it did surprise me because we have not had any at all confirmation ever about any character being gay but we've had hints to it so I was not ever expecting it to go in that direction just based on the history of Dong and Rompa in general I didn't expect it to go in that direction that is a very good point, Caroline, actually. I, I, I think that's like really valid. The fact that like everyone is problematic in some way. Everyone does morally questionable things. There's no like one, except maybe Makoto. There's no like one person who's like, just like above everyone else. I don't know. But yeah, he, I do appreciate the complexity of his character and the humanness of his character. Yeah, so that's a very good point. I just, I was, I was a little conflicted. I feel like I'm also a little bit conflicted, but I mostly really, I liked it. Um, I was a little bit worried that if the Danganronpa franchise decided to make someone canonically gay, that it would just be like a, oh, like, fine, we did it, you know, or like, you know, people have been asking for it for a long time. But I feel like what I've seen in media in representation is if someone is gay, it is their entire personality. They're you know, like they just, really they're, true. they're just looking for a relationship or they're just, you know, like wanting to do romantic things all the time. And it's, 
that was a concern of mine. But I think because it was such a shock that it wasn't Chisa, they really handled it well. You know what I mean? Like, because that was kind of a twist, I thought that it actually was handled pretty well. My only conflict is kind of what you were saying, Maddie. Yeah. And like the reaction that we already see Munakata have to his friend trying to come out to him <laughs> from the episode two prior, like that was like, really, we're going to take the one person and, and we're going to do that. Um, Just immediately murder. That's a that's a good point as well, though, Marin, for sure. I also have to say, I mean, like in Japan, being gay means a very different thing than in America. Yeah, just things to think about. For sure. Marin, I actually, if I want, I wanted to respond to your thing a little bit. I think that's a really good point because I have seen like a bit of a, I think a trend in anime, especially older animes of like the gay characters tend to be pretty badly stereotyped and like there there's maybe a very flamboyant man or something and that's like the only representation at all so yeah i think in a lot of ways this is very progressive of them to you know write this character like this for sure have you guys seen schitt's creek i've seen a little bit of it you're currently watching it caroline right yeah yes and it's so funny you say that are you, is this one you'll keep in it's a, a spoiler for the ser- for Schitt's Creek. So I was going to say if you guys want to like unplug your headsets or I think I, I already know what you'll, you're going to say. Okay. It's interesting talking about that because one of the reasons that Schitt's Creek has become so popular, and this was said in one of their after filming, it was like a one hour episode of like, we were done, like, let's reflect kind of things. Um, but one of the things that people love about the show is one of the characters, I believe is pansexual. I think he's pan um, and he and his future partner, it, the show is not about that. The, the, their relationship while being endearing and, you know, just like goals, like they're so cute together. It's not about that. The show just moves by it. And that's one of the first shows that has been so successful and long running that has accomplished that where being gay and being in a relationship, it doesn't need to be focused on. It can just be, and like people have lives outside of that. (laughs) It's like, anyway, so that's what that kind of reminded me of. I was just going to say, and there's only one episode in Schitt's Creek that they even focus on coming out as a theme. I am so tired. I'm sorry. I know that it's a valid story. We have so many movies and television shows that focus on the coming out of the of a gay character, and that's their whole entire arc. And I'm like, please just, get, okay, that's definitely very much a part of the queer experience, but like, give me more than just that. Like, give me like a fully fleshed out character <laughs> with <laughs> yeah. hopes and dreams. It's like, yeah. please. I don't know. Have either, have both of you watched The Haunting of Hill House? Caroline, I don't know if you have. No. Do you care if I spoil? I don't think we'll never I'm watch that. Okay, it. yeah, it's terrifying, but it's so good. Um, <laughs> I like Haunting of Hill House. To me, is, this is another little bit of a tangent, so maybe it gets cut. But Haunting of Hill House to me is a show that is like, I really like how they do it in that show with like the gay character because Theo is one of the sisters and she is gay and like she is in a relationship with a woman but that's not like her whole arc like that's just one part of her and there's like a very comedic moment of one of one time of like um the siblings finding out that she's gay and like it's it's very comedic the way that that is, is found out but it's not like she is the object of the joke the object of the joke is more so that like her siblings didn't know 
that she was gay like I just yeah. I love the way that they did it and and yeah also haunting a blind manor yeah oh my gosh I did tell Caroline about that show I spoiled okay. it through because uh we started watching an episode and it was not going well <laughs> so yeah yeah but I just have also, a tough time yeah but also with Theo these scenes that are sexual are literally to show the audience more about her like power like her yeah like it's it has a purpose it's anyways i love some good gay representation my next note is about mikan oh me too a short little thing but in the scene where everyone's like all those students of of the class oh gosh i don't remember what class are our our, our friends yes yes when they were like walking down the hallway or whatever and then all of a sudden they're like mikan like runs and catches up with them and they're all like wait where did chiaki go and Mikan is literally just like, oh, she twisted her ankle, so like I left her behind. She'll catch us. She'll catch up with us eventually. And like everyone's just fine with that. Like I was so confused. You know, like, wait, what? I hated that. I really did. <laughs> I did. And they also they call Mikan the uh, super high school level health committee member, which is very different than nurse. Yeah, yeah I would I don't say know what that's about. Yeah, my only explanation for that is maybe they have like a bunch of different class positions, like class leader, and then right. they were like, let's have a health officer, which means like, who would that be in like the 78th class, you know, or like Ooh, the 74th question. class, maybe it's just like, I don't know, the ultimate skier is the like health person. <laughs> the health committee member of the 78th class would be Sakura. Oh, yeah, could That's be. She, she knows a lot about the body. Oh, and I have a Schitt's Creek, the Schitt's Creek note I was going to say is, um, Nick Amar has a quote where he says, we'd totally be up Shit Creek. Yes. And I thought of Shit's Creek. I was like, wait, silly. does he? Yeah, he does. Mm-hmm. He doesn't, I don't think he says that in the, the subtitled version. Oh, yeah. So that was the dub to clarify. <laughs> That's dub. incredible. But yes, yeah, correct me up. My next note is kind of a really big one, like a big, a big chunk. And it's about the whole brainwashing thing. Are we ready okay. to kind of get into that? I'm ready. Sure. Okay. So this is the episode where I feel like people start to have a big problem with the anime. You know, we've talked to a lot of people who really hate the anime. And I think this is part of the reason. Um, in the second game, the big twist is that everyone was evil, right? And so it's like, oh, like, should we be saving these people who are despair? And here they've clearly shown that everyone was not, in fact, evil. So it kind of takes away a little bit from the second game. But I have to add, like, have you ever played a game where the third installment of the game took back the second game twist? Like, (laughs) I don't know. I just thought that was kind of a nod to the creators. I've never experienced that where the third game, they're like, ha ha ha, nope. Like, just when you think you understand. (laughs) I don't think it it negates the second game twist. I actually think it makes uh, it more me root for the characters more that they get out of this prison. Like at the end of the second game, you know, everyone's dead except for the survivors. And so it's like very much despair inducing to then see how they fell into despair and then know, oh my God, like yeah. they're all dead and they never got a second chance at, at to be themselves, right? Because we we knew we know that their high school versions of themselves are the characters we see in the game, so now we're just filling in the gap of like how they became despair. So I I true, don't know if I true. agree with you honestly. Yeah, no, I don't think it fair. takes back the twist. I think it just gives us more information about the twist. 
yeah that's just my opinion yeah. though no that's yeah. fair i partially agree with you Marin, and and i think i i also partially agree with caroline i do think it doesn't necessarily negate everything from the second game i think it just provides a little more explanation for it but i also think that it makes us feel a little differently about the characters and that's not necessarily a bad thing i agree with caroline and that it makes us root for the characters more because we feel like you know we grow to love them in the second game and then we're shocked when we find out how evil they are and then this series kind of lets us come full circle back to being like oh like i still love these characters like maybe this really wasn't their fault that kind of thing and i do think there is some of that that makes me like love the characters more but i also also love what they did in the second game to make you feel conflicted about whether you should root for those characters you know like I really like it when a piece of fiction can do that to me and make me like really root for a character and then find something out about them that really makes it hard for me to know how to feel about them um and then I think this comes around and changes that to almost kind of make it easy for us again like it it Mm. kind of lets us off the hook and lets us be like oh it's fine like they're actually good people we can root for them that's fine and for some people maybe that is like a very comforting thing but I almost am a little bit like I almost miss the challenge of being made to feel a little uncomfortable with like oh gosh like are, are these characters I know and love like actually like monsters like whatever that that complexity to me was like part of what I loved 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 about the second game and I do feel like a little bit of that gets lost because of this I do want to add um something that I just forgot oh it made me also think of like okay you know these people were brainwashed but they did terrible things so then is it do they have to take responsibility for the terrible things that they did or like yeah, like who who is responsible? Because Who's you know what I mean. Blame? Seriously, because forty on the kids. No, but like seriously, because like yeah, Maddie. Like I, I hear what you're saying, but I also was like, but they still did those terrible things. They still right. did them. It's yeah. true, even though they were in their despairing form. So yeah, I just think yeah. it makes it, it easier for us to write off everything that they did as like totally not their fault. You know what I mean? Right. Right. But maybe we shouldn't. Maybe we shouldn't write it off because of that. It kind of reminds me of actually an Ultra Despair Girls when, you know, these kids are doing horrible things, terrible things. And then we learn their backstory, right? Yeah. yeah. It's, it's a little bit of a, well, here's the reason. You know what I mean? And so, like, I, I agree with both of you. I really do. Because, Caroline, to your point, I think that by giving this explanation, they actually clear up a plot hole in SDR2, which is if these kids were truly ultimate despair reincarnate within themselves, why would Junko be so opposed to letting them out of this game? Right. Right. Wouldn't she have not needed to take over their bodies and minds? Cause she already had. Right. So like that, I feel like is a plot hole that this solves. So Caroline, I absolutely agree with you, but Maddie, I also agree with you because in ultra despair girls, we're left with like a, these kids did horrible things, but if they have a reason to have started down that path, can we really like put as much blame on them as we were going to, you know? Right. Also, I mean, there's also the conversation of like their children, they're in development. So I, you know, they, they still have room to, change and grow and hopefully with lots of therapy and assistance move past 
what has gone on. Right. 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 Um, so we root for them because of that, because they are under 10. They're like literal children. Whereas, Mm -hmm. you know, these people are teenagers going into adult adulthood because yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Whoo, baby. Deep talk. This is is what I love about doing these podcasts. I know. Oh, me too. I do have another note about the brainwashing scene. Um, And that is just like a little kind of like fun fact, fun detail. I decided to dig into a little bit more. I just couldn't help but notice. So when they're all becoming like hypnotized by despair and they're watching, you can see the spirals in their eyes. Um, And I couldn't help but notice that the spirals in their eyes are counterclockwise spirals. So sometimes called left-hand spirals. And that was interesting to me because so if you if you ask someone like generally at least like a right-handed person to draw a spiral they'll almost always default to drawing a clockwise spiral like a right-handed spiral because it just feels more natural it it's seen as more natural that's just kind of like like the hand movement is more natural and it looks like better or whatever but and maybe that's be part of the reason for this but counterclockwise spirals are actually believed to be symbols of evil or to be like bad luck in many many different cultures like in celtic art for instance like a clockwise or right-handed spiral represents like the harmony of the cosmos or like the balance of like nature but if you draw a counterclockwise or left-handed spiral in celtic art it represents the exact opposite so it'd be like chaos or disharmony or like a rift in the space-time continuum no just like an imbalance in like nature and the spirit world or whatever that is like seen as almost like unhealthy. I don't know if it's the same in any kind of Japanese lore. I, I don't know the background of that. Um, but I would be very interested to learn about that. If, if any of our listeners know, hit us up because I'd be very curious. I tried to do a little bit of Googling on it, but I couldn't really find anything. All that was coming up was like stuff about like calligraphy or like the, Oh, what's it called? Kanji. Is that what it's called? the Japanese writing and I was like no I'm looking for like the symbolic metaphor of like the spiral couldn't find anything but um if any of our listeners know please do let me know but yeah I thought that was interesting so I was like oh okay they're being hypnotized into this horrible despair of course they're gonna have counterclockwise spirals in their eyes rather than clockwise because it's just like something's a little bit off you know I have a question about the brainwashing for both of you are they being brainwashed I have a note on this, please. Actually, so I, it's interesting because I feel like there is a level of like, perhaps not. Perhaps this is you know how that phenomenon in humanity where like when something so terrible is happening that you like literally cannot look away. Like there's that part where they're all like, we can't move, but it's like I think they can. I think that they are just watching something that is so incredibly terrible, and they feel so helpless that they can't do anything about it that they can't help but see how it's going to play out. Yes. Right. Yes. Yes. I literally, yes. I'm so glad you said that because it reminds me there's an episode of black mirror called the national anthem. It's season one, episode one. Um, horrible episode, (laughs) horrible episode, episode. but the theme of the episode is how people can't get off their phones and get off their TVs. And, you know, the, uh, just to give a general synopsis of the episode without getting too into the weird parts of it, a, I believe it's a princess or someone of that standing gets kidnapped and the politician is told he has to either do something horrible and she'll be released or he can refuse and she'll be killed. He's not a very well-liked guy. Like, 
he's trying to figure out what, like, if it's possible to not do this horrible thing. Um, and it has to be filmed on national television, what he's going to do. And so he ends up choosing to do the horrible thing on national television. And the, what you find out is everyone's glued to their TVs watching him do this. And if anyone, anyone had looked outside their window for the hours beforehand that it was being televised during, they would know that she had already been released. Like you could see her walking through the streets trying to find help. She's already out. But they, the people who were trying to force him to do this thing knew that no one could look away. And that it's so, oh my gosh, I don't think they're brainwashed. I really don't. I think they are just so full of despair that they want to hurt other people the way that they've been hurt at the end. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. So interesting. I wanted to say, yeah. So I have also, unfortunately seen that episode of Black Mirror. <laughs> um, it in many ways is a very amazing show, but I always tell my friends who are thinking of watching it to skip the first episode and just not bother and maybe come back to it at some point if they're really curious but I will just give a warning, listeners, if anyone is thinking about going and watching that, it is really, really horrible. It is absolutely disgusting, um, this first episode. I just wanted to give almost like a little bit of a content warning um, if like any of our listeners yeah. are thinking of watching that. Like, please, please, please like tread with caution because it actually is like really terrible. I had to answer your question, Marion. I never really thought of it like that. I guess I was just kind of in the anime suspension of disbelief mindset of like, oh, the magical powers of Ryota's anime brainwashing. Now they can't move, blah, blah, blah. But like, that's a really interesting point. And it also kind of reminds me of um, like hypnosis in a way and the power of suggestion because hypnosis is not, so like real in real life hypnosis, it is a thing. There is like you know, you can go to a silly hypnotist show and see people like quack like ducks and do stuff like that. And you can go to a hypnotherapist who can help you with things. It, it, hypnosis is a real thing, but it's not mind control. It's not like brainwashing. Nobody's going to like force you to do something against your will because like hypnosis in order for it to work and for you to really like experience kind of the the power of suggestion of it. Like for instance, let's say a, a hypnotherapist is trying to help you like stop smoking the whole reason behind it is that it's the power of suggestion to can help you kind of convince yourself that you no longer want to smoke. And it works with your own mind because it's like you, so you can't be hypnotized against your will, right? You have to be kind of cooperating along with it and convincing yourself of this, you know, power of suggestion and that this is real. Um, and so if you don't think it's real, you can't be hypnotized. Um, and so, yeah, maybe, maybe there is something to that in the, in the sense of like, maybe this is not something that's really being forced on them against their will. Maybe it really is that kind of human instinct of, I can't look away, like, you know, morbid curiosity leading into something else. I don't know, but it's a good question. Also, also. If Junko made this brainwashing video through Chiaki, right, Chiaki's death, why didn't, after this happened, why didn't she just show this video to the world and cause everyone to fall into despair? Why did the video that did not have Chiaki in it convince Chisa to become full of despair because it was full of her students, right, mm -hmm. doing horrible things? Or well, she Mikon. had a lobotomy. 
True, that too. Yeah. But, <laughs> I, I don't. Uh, she's not, I, I do not count because th- there was okay. there's physical brain manipulation going on there. Yeah. As then, un- unrealistic as that is, but yeah. And then Mekon, you know, we talked a little bit about it. I think it was last episode, but about potentially why she was so easily suggestible and, mm-hmm. you know, her need to care for people. Maybe that was so full of despair that that was all it took for her. And this is what it took for these specific students, which means that it's not brainwashing because brainwashing should in theory be able to affect all right right like, so I don't think it is I feel personalized very strongly about that <laughs> but then then there's that reels us back to what we were talking about earlier about how you know the the kids like then are guilty for what they did because it is them they're not completely erased it's not their exactly. personalities aren't erased. yeah that's so interesting oh and 60 40 are the kids and they were so suggestible because the only person in their class who gave them hope that they could be something else other than what society was telling them they could be chiaki it was proved to be a failure that she did that so oh just a brutal scene yeah this is i have a note that just says i cannot this is literally the worst thing i've ever had to watch forever i i like hate this so much it like I wouldn't have watched it if I wasn't already so invested in the series, but like, oh, this is not my favorite thing. I hate, oh my God, I hated this episode and I was not looking forward to watching it today. Yeah. It's just, there are specific times in Danganronpa where as a player, you feel the despair along with the characters. Like, I think a lot of times it's easier to disassociate you know it's like it's sad that this is happening to these people but this felt personal like this was just I don't know I I had a really hard time watching this the first time through and I remember I Marco Polo'd you guys and I was like crying and I was like you need to finish the anime (laughs) like yeah it was just oh painful and and when she says like there's so much that I still wanted to do. Like I haven't done it. Like, like just one more game, one more round. I could not handle that. That was the moment that broke me when she said exactly that, that I have that as my note is like that. I was okay. Like not, not okay. I was like horrified at what was going on, but I was like holding it together until she said that. And I was like, Oh my God, you know, no, screw this. (laughs) I'm going to (laughs) cry. So I wanted to, I guess on this note with the, you know, the impact of Chiaki and like the importance of her character, Maddie had said in an earlier episode that she f- didn't know how she felt about Chiaki being like a real person, you know, yeah, like, I, I think that this scene makes it all worth it for me. This I agree. Is, right. This is the yeah. reason because it's quite beautiful that they, they knew that she was enough to get these kids in the game back to who they were supposed to be and that she was based on someone so real and in the memory of someone so real who did so much even though she was so young I agree I've changed my tune on that one and I love what you said Caroline about her becoming more than what she was destined to be just as like the ultimate gamer she became so much more than that and she does in the game as well like you know AI Chiaki also does the same thing and it, it makes it, I think it makes it more meaningful. I, I originally thought that it took away a little bit of her impact in the second game, but I, I disagreed with that. Now I, I changed my mind. I think it adds to it. I think it makes it a lot more meaningful, her yeah. existence. Yeah. And I think the image of Isaru crying 
that is so powerful in and of itself. Like that yeah. proves exactly what you two were just saying. She is like the only person who could pull all of them, including Hajime, who is somewhere within this um, beautiful but dark man, right? Like, <laughs> I did. Oh, that when he was crying, I was I was crying today when or when I watched this yesterday, but I started crying harder. Like. Oh my gosh, this was just, this is too much. It's even, it's also interesting if you think about like, you know, he originally turned to the side of despair because he found despair to be unpredictable. And now he's finding that hope is also unpredictable. Yeah. Because there is loss and hope, um, which is again, like we were saying earlier. And I, oh my God. So Nagito in Nagito fashion has a quote where he says, in death, you become the stepping stone for hope. And in, you know, a lot of history and in a lot of like our everyday lives, you know, we look and, and learn about these martyrs, these people who have died for a cause or died and been, you know, very significant in their movement. But the hardest part is being the people who have to pass on that legacy. And this is a big connection between Kyoko and Makoto and Chiaki and then the rest of Hope's Peak. This is another big connection between these two episodes is we have a martyr in both episodes where very important people who really impacted people and helped with the cause died. And then these, you know, Makoto and also those who, you know, the, hopefully the kids who survived the second game will go on and push forward because living is so much harder to, to live with the reality of someone dying and living and living that truth and moving forward. Like, I can't help but think of like our black queer people in this, in this country who have died and how we have to, you know, move on and fight for what they have died for. It's hard, but it's, and it's exhausting. Yeah. I don't want, I'm, I'm resisting quoting Hamilton. Bad. I literally was thinking that. <laughs> I, I, I don't want to quote Hamilton. What is it? Dying is easy. Young man living is harder. Is that the quote? Yeah. Yes, yeah. that's correct. Yeah. I don't have anything left emotionally and notes wise. <laughs> and financially. <laughs> hey! Hey, man. Um, I don't either. So shall we uh, move into our amended bedwed behead? Let's do we it. shall. All right, everybody. We are here with our amended bedwed behead. And today we are going to be doing Chiaki, Izuru, and Munakata. And we will be choosing between the three things that we will now repeat to you. I chose someone who you'd want to get drunk for the first time with. Oh, for the first time with? Yeah. It has a little more stakes. Mine is uh, who would you want to like crack your neck all crazy like the chiropractors do where it, it seems like they're going to like rip your head off, but they don't. All right. Mine is... Uh... <laughs> You have to dress up as Anakin and Padme with them for a couple's costume contest. Or actually, I'll give you a choice. Anakin and Padme or Anna and Elsa. Uh, I need oh. specification on which. Oh, okay, okay, okay. So I would I would have Izuru crack my neck like a chiropractor because, I mean, he supposedly is like, the idea of him is like he has like all the talents right? Like all the talents in one person. So he's also the ultimate chiropractor. So I can trust him that he won't just break my neck. Hopefully. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I would get drunk for the first time with Chiaki because she's so sweet. And 
um, like would be a fun time and we would play Birio Kart. Hello. Um, (laughs) and I, I trust her, you know, and then that leaves, um, me and Munakata to dress up. And I would in fact have us dress up as Anna and Elsa and he would be Anna and I would be Elsa. Maddie, it wouldn't be your first time dressing up as Elsa. It's true. It would not be. I can go next if you want, just because my answers are the exact same. <gasps> no except, way. Except, except I would have uh, Munakata dress as uh, Anakin. Ah, or maybe I'd make him dress as Padme. Mm. I don't know. Cute. We'll keep cute. We'll we'll decide in the moment, but definitely Star Wars route. Excellent. All right. Well, I would have Chiaki crack my neck because I feel like I don't know. I just feel like she'd be really calming, kind of like what Maddie said. Like I feel like out of all these experiences that is the freakiest for me and so um yeah I would want her there for that it is freaky I would get it's true I would get drunk with Minakata because I feel like I just want to get him to loosen up and like have some fun you know and just like let let loose a little so you know I'd I'd help him out with that mm-hmm. and we'd get drunk together and then I would have Izuru dress up as Elsa because he is the epitome of the cold never bothered me anyway i just gotta say so yeah (laughs) we would be uh he'd be else i'd be anna obviously i'm such an anna love it all right everybody thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of ultra hope girls a dong and rumpa podcast we're so glad you listened in today make sure you follow us on facebook on twitter on instagram we're ultra hope girls podcast pretty much everywhere and you'll get updates on all the episodes that are coming your way so definitely check us out there we also have a patreon the lowest tier is just two dollars a month and anything you're able to give is always greatly appreciated we have bonus episodes on there that are definitely worth checking out some of them are really awesome maddie did one on brainwashing so um yeah not or amnesia per se um yeah Maddie did one amnesia yes which which i do touch on i think Brain- a little bit in that yeah but there's an episode related to that in there <laughs> uh yeah y'all and if you want to have your question featured at the end of our season we're getting there so the time the clock's ticking if you want a question in here leave us a voicemail at anchor.fm we love hearing your questions and your opinions please let us know if you have any thoughts that you'd like to share with us and that's it everybody have a great day and we'll see you next time bye bye, bye.